find your balls. Welcome to the man-made podcast, Riding Shotgun. This is Jeff Stuckey, the man with his hands on the wheel, as always, Greg Allen. <laughs> Hello. How are you this morning, Greg Allen? I, I'm doing good. I'm uh, more attentive to having my hands on the wheel today. <laughs> yeah. And because um, I think today we're going to pick up on that topic that you brought up uh, on the last episode. Uh, yes, to your chagrin. <laughs> I know my heels are still digging in. <laughs> I know you were hoping that I would forget, which <laughs> typically I would, right? Because yeah. I have the attention span of a gnat. Yeah. Uh, all right. So before we jump into that, any messes we need to clean up from last week as I am prone to making them? No, actually, uh, last week we did good. You didn't open any doors that you didn't end up shutting. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I, I think we wrapped up. Wow. Well, don't get used to that, right? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> I guess my Adderall was working last week, so yeah. that's good to know. But you did make a comment at the very end about wanting to talk about porn and how that is affecting our society. Well, I think you're, you may be misrepresenting that I want to talk about it, uh, because I think bringing this topic up probably, it terrifies you <laughs> infinitely more than it terrifies yeah. me, but it is a conversation that needs to start to happen. Mm-hmm. And of course, you could approach the conversation from a variety of different ways. But the question that I posed to you last week is, why is porn so popular? Because this topic could blow up in our faces, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So That's let why me I'm make, on. <laughs> right. So let me make a a few distinctions. I'm not talking about the porn industry itself. That is a separate conversation that probably needs to be had. Don't know that. I'm qualified enough to have that, but I'm not talking about how people are treated within the porn industry or defending right. any of that. Right. So in no way you're supporting sex trafficking or that industry. I have spent many years volunteering with an organization, uh, getting people out of sex trafficking. Okay. So all of those things, this is not a discussion about that. Okay. I want to be exceptionally clear that in no way am I supporting any degradation of women, any disrespect or objectification of women or anyone. Right. The question that we're discussing today is merely the fact is that pornography is incredibly popular. Pornhub is the third most popular internet site Number three. <laughs> now, and what's interesting about that, right, is that that is one yeah. pornographic website. If you accumulated all of them, you know, what, what would our numbers be? But I, psychology today, not the greatest scientific source, but through Google Analytics uh, reports that Pornhub is the third most popular website in the world. And so, again, just to punctuate the only discussion that we're having today is why is it so popular? And given that it's so popular, why aren't we talking about it? So this conversation makes you nervous. <laughs> yeah, I'm willing to go into it to investigate the effects that it has on our society, our communities, our marriages. So, what, you know, what kind of effect is that having? So opening the conversation seemed like the best way to sort that out. I've got two different experiences with pornography. 
I have my religious roots perspective of pornography, and then I also have my clinical perspective of pornography, which are wildly different. The religious perspective was just absolutely, and, and I think evil would be the word that I probably would have thought in, you know, during that. Yeah. Which, particularly in my adolescent days, right, that creates an incredible conflict, right? Because here is something that is so objectively, absolutely evil, and God, I think I like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I would have grown up, in the era of cell phones and Wi-Fi access, I, I'll just—I'll say it this it way: would have been different. I'm just grateful <laughs> yeah. that the only thing I had to struggle with was the um, bra and underwear section in the Sears mm. catalog. If I had to deal with the things that my son is dealing with today, uh, I just say I don't think it would not have gone well for me. Right. So. Right. When I pose the question, I drop the bomb on you, why is porn so popular? What alarms go off inside of you? Yeah, the, the whole notion of porn seems to go against the idea of the sanctity of marriage and the union, like with one man and one woman, you know, sex within that context as well. So when I think about a man or a woman watching someone else have sex or you know, contemplating that idea. It's like, I'm thinking that's a violation of that union of the commitment between the man and the woman. So that's why I would push it into the category of being destructive. I've seen evil and I don't know that I would say evil, <laughs> but I would certainly say it is not a, a good thing. But the fact that it is so popular and it is so uh, dangerous, it, you know, it's worth talking about. Okay, so it's interesting because you'll explore. You had to add that ca that caveat that it is so dangerous. Uh -huh. What what are the unpack that one for me? Because oh. I because again, largely like pre clinical looking at this from, and again, I'm I'm speaking for myself, my bias religious perspective, and not looking at it from just an objective, empirical. What does the data say? And what does the data say? about pornography and its effects on humanity, given that it's so wildly popular. So you added that little caveat <laughs> of how dangerous it is. Unpack that. Okay, What's yeah. the dangers? <laughs> All right. Well, the limited experience that I, I've had uh, counseling men that have dealt with it had just shown me that the, I don't know, the destructive nature of it within their marriage. But it also opened up to me the fact that there are men's groups out there, there are counselors out there that make a ton of money counseling men uh, with that addiction, I'll call it, or maybe just interest. <laughs> so it looks like it's just wreaking havoc within a marriage. And I, I don't know if this is the whole story or not, but just the fact that a wife would think that she is not enough for a man so that he needs to go look at someone, some other woman or some other couple I mean that that seems destructive. You know that's why well, that's why I would call it dangerous. Okay. What what would you say the inherent destruction in that is? The lack of connection in the husband and the wife when one of them thinks that the other one needs to go outside of the marriage for sexual gratification. So what if there were an instance where one's sex drive was just exponentially more than the other? I would say that's a problem worth solving or an issue worth looking into. 
but within but the marriage. pornography is not a part. <laughs> it a is, part. If it's something outside <laughs> the marriage, you know, I mean, I, I listened to a, a master class on sex. They talked about bringing in uh, another partner. So if things get boring, bring someone else in, try that out. And I'm thinking, no, whatever sexual issues that you run into, going outside the marriage doesn't seem appropriate. And And you know what's interesting about that is that emotional affairs are significantly more destructive. Yeah. And we don't even, we don't have conversations about, because you use the word lack of attachment, connection, those kinds of things. And it's like emotional affairs are the ones that when you give another person that space that is emotionally, that is reserved for your partner, those are the ones that really wreak havoc. And we don't talk about those at all. Mm -hmm. It's like, we just, it's like, well, if you're not having sex with the other person, then it's okay. And I think this does a dis, this is part of why I think this conversation has to be had about pornography is all of these misconceptions that sex is so taboo. We don't have any productive conversation around it. And we have all of these misconceptions about sex and sexuality and, and these kinds of things. And so then something as destructive as an emotional affair, I'm highly, highly attached. Like I crave that person's attention. I want their validation. I want that. It's like, well, no, no biggie. <laughs> but if you're looking at porn, my God, you lousy son of a bitch. Like you better go. And it's like, and here's, here's what's interesting to me. The research doesn't support the destructiveness of pornography that we espouse to it. In fact, there are instances in which pornography can have positive benefits. But you say that out loud, <laughs> and it's like, and it, and believe me, it's incredibly uncomfortable for me to say that out loud into a microphone <laughs> that is recording the words that I'm saying. Right, right. You don't want that sound bite out like, there. Like, shit, man. <laughs> Let's just go back to the social mores. But having been in practice for 20 years and seeing the destruction of these myths, how destructive they are, and the fact that we can't just sit down and have the conversation and start to explore why is it so popular? Why do so many people enjoy pornography? And have it in a way that doesn't perpetuate the myths and starts to solve some of the problems, the real problems. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been many studies. The, the, the studies that I have found most interesting on a macro level, right, is cause and effect, a, a relationship between two things, cause and effect, this one thing causes this thing to happen is the hardest thing scientifically to establish, right? Because there's just so many variables yeah. and it's like, you know, who knows it could cause that. And then, so that gets into the strength or weakness of correlations, those kinds of things. And the other, so that's one thing, right? Is to establish the correlation 
and then the strength of that correlation. But then the other difficult thing is to establish which direction does the correlation go? Does A cause B or does B cause A? And so to put that in more practical terms, when you look at, let's say, porn use and divorce rates, which is something that's been studied exhaustively, right? So in an instance like that, what the data reveals is that the correlation between divorce rate and pornography is, is a weak correlation. And there's not been able to establish which direction does it go. Does porn create an unhappy marriage or does an unhappy marriage create porn use? And again, I, the two things that are just, and hopefully these are non-provocative statements because it's just empirical data. We don't know which causes which. Right, right. The other thing, there was a study done on how people physiologically responded to exposure to pornography. They hooked people up to biofeedback and showed them a wide range of pornographic images. And then they monitored how they uh, registered on the biofeedback, pulse, other kinds of things, lots, lots of indicators. And the result of the study was the people who responded strongest registered the highest on biofeedback, the physiological response to the exposure of this image, and the widest range of response. Any guesses? (laughs) Women. 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 Now, for me, that was a holy shit. Yeah. Because the cultural norm would suggest something completely otherwise. If a man is promiscuous, he's a stud. If a woman is promiscuous, and again, I don't want to get into any political correctness (laughs) difficulties because I don't know what the accept, but not the equivalent of a stud, shall we say that? It's the antithesis of that. So you have this social norm that almost licenses men to be sexual But some of the really important data says that women are more sexually responsive than men. And I can tell you in my work in marriage therapy, sexual dysfunction, and oftentimes as a result of a religious prudishness, shall we say, wreaks havoc in the marital relationship. That women from an early age, their sexuality is repressed and they don't get to explore that and it creates this tension for them. So what if in an instance where a woman was coming out of that kind of a background and pornography allowed her to realize her sexuality when she was exposed to something pornographic she was able to start to just experience and embrace her sexuality, enjoy the physical responses, but she can't do that with her husband because of all of this socialization and all of these kinds of things. So what if we just use that data and say, okay, we can help this woman get more comfortable with her sexuality through the exposure of pornography 
so that she and her husband can have a wonderful sexual relationship. And oh, by the way, because of this background, and this can go either way. I've worked with men that are in the same thing, so I don't, I'm not trying to be myopic in this, but just as an example, she doesn't even know what the options are. Two people can do that. <laughs> Holy shit, is yeah. that okay? Like, are they allowed to do that? Because we don't do a great job with exposing people to those kinds of things. So you respond to all that. Yeah, like, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> the first thing I, I have to bring up is porn is fiction. So whatever, you, you can't train somebody to say, hey, this is a better way to do this, or this is a way to explore things with the fiction without acknowledging that. You can certainly learn from fiction, learn real things from fiction, but you have to acknowledge well, that's what it is. Football practice is fiction. It, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, like school's fucking fiction, man. <laughs> we spend like from kindergarten to high school playing pretend. <laughs> okay, so let's acknowledge that and we'll still learn from it. But I think it would be detrimental to say if a gal's looking at porn and led to believe that this is how things happen. This is the way the world is. I can't imagine that that's true. Well, wh what kind of scene are you visualizing over there, dude? I mean, <laughs> uh, it's like, it's like <laughs> my daughter told me once that she was, I want a relationship like this. Now, it wasn't porn. She was looking at a, 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 a man and a, a gal in a magazine article, you know? I said, that's not real, honey. Those are two actors that they put together to take pictures. And then they write a fictional story about it. I mean, that, there was no pretense that that wasn't what that was. But she says, well, it's obviously true. Look at the picture. It's like, no, it's not true. It's a picture of two people that are actors. Well, but can it be true? Oh, that's different. It, it possibly can be true, but maybe that needs to come out. Like, this could be a better way to go, but it doesn't just happen like that. You know, and there's a lot of investment in getting to the point where you have a good relationship. So what what is your... You would say pornography just needs to go away. If you were Thanos and could snap your fingers like that, that all of that just for, needs to go away. For multiple reasons, yes. Okay. <laughs> and how much of that is just from cultural, your culture, like specifically right. just kind of presuppositions or things oh. that have been imposed versus uh, what do I, what do I really know about this topic? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's all going to be colored by everything that's brought me to today. But if, if I can say two things that I, I think might be a bit objective is say, what is it doing to the people that are in the industry? So, I mean, we already mentioned. Again, right. And yeah. that, that is a, that is a, like not open that can of worms. <laughs> okay, right. This is in no way whatsoever is this conversation intended to support that aspect of it at all. The The limit of our conversation is purely why is pornography so popular? Okay. All right. And the other half of that is that I cannot see a situation where a man and a woman make a, a union where they're they're totally relying on each other for oh that's bad I better not go there with you bring it no no <laughs> no, no. no 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 you're in the pool with me you can't <laughs> jump out I, I I didn't see that coming soon enough <laughs> so their their needs they they try the best to meet each other's needs but not bringing in other people to do that now as soon as I say that you know we bring in a plumber to fix things in our house and an electrician. Are you visualizing a threesome? Because I'm not recommending a threesome. Now, I'm not saying I don't know. I've not studied threesomes. 
so I don't I don't really know, no. but it's like you're bringing in another person. Well, like, the other the other person <laughs> is the people in the pornographic material. They're not part of your marriage. So let's say you went out to dinner with Bob and Linda. And um, Bob and Linda are in love. You know, they're like those get a room kind of people. Yeah, okay. And uh, you're like, God, man, you two are like teenagers. Like, what is, what is wrong with you? Like, get some self-control. And Bob says, well, we've been going to this therapist. <laughs> Let me guess his name. No, <laughs> the therapist shall remain anonymous. But for, he is a shaman. <laughs> I'll give you that much. Perhaps he has a side gig. And we started watching pornography together, and it has absolutely changed our ability to explore our own sexual passions and the possibilities of how we can express those sexual passions to each other. And it's electrifying. And Linda says, yes, that's hypothetical, but that is also non-hypothetical. No, it's totally fiction. You made it up. (laughs) That's okay. That sorry. is not true. That's <laughs> okay. All right. There's your biases coming out and trying Absolutely. to <laughs> trying to shut it. Down. I know, right? I love yeah. your discomfort on this, <laughs> and that's part of the reason why you and I are having this conversation because it's so difficult to have this conversation well for a lot of different reasons. There's a lot of tangents, right? It's a complex topic because. Things that are necessarily attached to it are the porn industry, right? Oh, yeah. And so that's a conversation. It's like, well, okay, we can condemn the porn industry, right? The problem is that doesn't help us with the popularity piece of it. The other piece, I'll loosely say that I would, maybe I'll say it this way, pro-woman. I don't know that (laughs) first wave feminism would probably be where I would fall in and the women should be esteemed. Right. And I I believe that fully and, and do a lot of work with that in my practice. So in no way is this a discussion of the degrading or disrespecting of women in any way whatsoever. And yet porn is still so popular Mm -hmm. and there's so many misconceptions about how porn actually affects people. And here's probably my two biggest concerns. If if I were going to, you know, if I'm a Stephen Covey guy, right? Seven habits of highly effective people and the four quadrants and the urgent and important, the urgent and important would be one where we do see this having a negative social impact is adolescent boys. It does provide an exit for a young man. If he can choose to sit and watch porn on his phone, or do the terrifying thing of walking up to his female ideal and handing her his soul and saying, do you like me? Asking her out, (laughs) right? And she takes his adolescent soul and she throws it on the floor (laughs) and it shatters into a billion little pieces. You know, am I going to choose that or porn? Eh, probably going to go do some porn, right? (laughs) I'm not, I'll take that risk out of it. So that, that development of resilience in adolescent boys to be able to partner with a woman the courage that it takes to approach her and say, 
do you accept me or do you not? That part of the conversation would absolutely be in the urgent and important quadrant. The other piece of it would be the power of secrets. Socially right now and individually, porn mostly is a secret. You know, there's there's a variety of different definitions of what a secret is. But at the end of the day, secrets are profoundly destructive. It's been a fascinating experience for me as a therapist to watch the power of secrets play out. And oftentimes when we think of secrets, we're pretty myopic in what, how we perceive a secret, right? It's like, you know, well, an affair or a drug habit or, and, and I'm not saying that those kinds of things aren't secrets. Uh, they most certainly are, but we have to expand our understanding because I have had people come in in mid to late adulthood and their entire lives have been paralyzed by a secret. And they will come in in absolute anguish. And I don't mean to be disrespectful in saying this, but I, I'm just trying to respond to it as honestly as I can. When I finally get enough pennies in the jar that they can tell me their secret, like my internal response is, Are you, that's it? <laughs> yeah. Now, it, and it sometimes it's just incredibly innocuous. It could be something that... Maybe they told a little lie in adolescence and it's just like perpetuated and it's just like we know the effects of secrets that it's profound. The cognitive dissonance that it creates, you know, I'm an imposter, I'm not real, everything that I do is fake, I'm, if anyone knew this about me. So it's just what, it's the secret itself that wreaks the havoc. It, and it goes so far as it changes people's perspective of the spatial world. They've done research that people who have a deep-bedded secret, they see objects bigger than they actually are. Their perception of experiences are significantly bigger than they actually are. And they've done lots of tests and we'll provide people the information to be able to, to explore that because it is fascinating. That's, for me, if we are not able to start to have this conversation about pornography, and it really is more about the conversation, we've got to start talking about it. Because I don't know where pornography fits into a healthy society, a healthy relationship, a healthy individual. You know, if a man and a woman are married and they have significantly different sex drives, does pornography become kind of a bridge for that? She wants to have sex all the time and I'm, hey, I got to go to work tomorrow. You know, I, I, again, I don't know, but I know that when those things become secrets, that's when they become profoundly damaging. And I don't, I don't know that even in our conversation today, I don't know that we can draw any conclusions the only thing that I know with certainty is that the conversation has to start and the conversation has to go well. Yeah, and, and it sounds like for two very important reasons. One is for our community and society, like how does, in this case, how does porn fit into that? And second, for the individual, like you were saying, if they're holding on to a secret, it's like how is that affecting their interaction with the world? So like I said, we won't answer the, the porn question, but we, we have to acknowledge that it has to be brought up. Uh, so how you doing over there? How's your comfort level? <laughs> I'm feeling a lot better. I, I feel like we were able to, to, uh, dig into this topic 
even though we might not see eye to eye, we were comfortable discussing it. Oh, you were comfortable? Well, I just I was comfortable with the fact that you were comfortable with me being uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I don't I, I don't know that I was I don't know that you were comfortable. I don't know that I was comfortable. And I I think it's would it be a fair categorization? Because I don't think we've had enough conversation to know if we agree or disagree. So I guess I can't say that we're coming at it from we're from. We disagree with each other. Right, right. It's probably a fair assessment to say we mostly don't see it the same way. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Would yeah. that? Yeah. And, and I think that's a fair representation. Like you would, yeah. you would probably <laughs> like people to know that <laughs> postscript. Yeah. I don't see this the same way that Jeff does. Yeah, can we put that in there? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll definitely put that. Like we'll right. we'll we'll put that. We'll make sure that that is um, explicitly clear. And I would say not a comfortable conversation. Right. I mean, it's you know, it's like probably more trying not to make missteps than mm-hmm. taking steps. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to say it. <laughs> and and getting caught up in that. But I think the place that we would agree is the necessity of the conversation and the fact that the conversation needs to be had, needs to be had well, and needs to be had all the way to completion. Yeah. Because a a significant part of vulnerability is what limits conversation today is that we stop conversation when it gets uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, that made me uncomfortable. Well, I'm right and you're wrong right. or vice versa. Right, right. Right. And, and vulnerability goes beyond that. It necessarily goes out into that place of emotional discomfort. Like, God, this is <laughs> this feels like walking around with my pants around my ankles. <laughs> that kind of emotional space. Yeah. And what I appreciate most about our relationship, among a lot of things, is the commitment to the necessity of the conversation. This merits conversation, especially given what we've talked about. Yeah. Warren's really popular. And secrets are really dangerous. Right. And having that conversation well. And I know one of the things that I appreciate most about your commitment to our relationship is your ability to wade into those places with me to where <laughs> you're, if you could see, um, if you've ever heard, if you have a AA background, it's called white knuckled sobriety. I mean, Greg is white knuckled, man. He is like grasping the arms of the chair. Where the hell is this guy going? And yet still that discomfort is never the limiting factor of our conversation. It, in fact, is more a predictor of the conversations that we need to have and we need to have well. And that's what I appreciate about our conversations because this was uncomfortable for me today. I mean, going on record and saying some of these things that are clinically true, objectively, empirically, I can support those things, but really butt up against some of the social norms. So then I can't even imagine what it's like for you to be like, 
can I just get out of the car this week and yeah. check back in next yeah. week? Yeah. Um, so I just thank you for that. And thank you for understanding the importance of having this conversation and having it well. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you opening this up and, and pushing it and, uh, you know, allowing me to, to get through it however I could. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, I whatever think, doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. So this just solidifies our notion that uh, Jeff is truly a shaman. <laughs> so, um, but as far as this notion of secrets in general, that sounds like something we better look at another time as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that out because I know you need a break from talking about <laughs> pornography. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap this up, Shaman <laughs> so, Jeff. <laughs> so how about next time we'll dig into secrets a little more? All right, sounds good. Thanks. Thank you again for joining us. We always appreciate it. Hey, if you liked the podcast today, uh, do us a favor. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Remember, that's the first part of finding your balls. And give us a five stars. If you didn't like it, uh, it's because you haven't found your balls yet. And uh, just don't do a fucking thing. Thanks, you guys.